Hey guys, I want to welcome you to the Mosaic Podcast. I'm Pastor Erwin Raphael McManus, and just wanted to thank you for listening. In case you didn't know, I just released a new book. It's called The Genius of Jesus, The Man Who Changed Everything. And you can order it today at thegeniusofjesus.com. Last week or so, we ended our first quest, which was a quest for honor. And one of the things we walked through was how we can live our most courageous lives, how we can live our lives no longer trapped or limited by fear. But we discovered that fear is not the absence, or the courage is not the absence of fear, but the absence of self. The courage comes out of the context of integrity, and integrity is born in the womb of humility. Last week, we began a new quest, a quest for nobility. And this particular quest, I think, is, is so critical to our present condition. Is on this quest, we find our path to wholeness and well-being, and we begin to discover how to live our lives in such a way that everywhere we are, in every context in which we stand and place ourselves, we find ourselves giving more than we take. This is the journey that I find over and over again, this journey from brokenness to wholeness. Most of us have more empirical data on what it looks like to be broken than we have from what it looks like to be whole. In, in fact, wholeness can seem almost an elusive state of being, while brokenness seems to be the practical reality. You see this all the time in art. Because it seems as if authentic art always has to be an expression of our brokenness. Authentic art seems to express our despair, our anger, our disappointment with life, our wounds, our scars. And, and rarely do we find authentic art that expresses the state of being that would be described as well-being. A place where we find health and wholeness, where love is a more present reality than hate or abandonment or bitterness. A place where, where joy and enjoyment is a viscerally authentic human experience. In fact, sometimes it seems that those who try to express what it means to be human in the environment of wholeness are not living in the real world. So can we just accept this morning that we're all broken? That all of us are damaged? Well, maybe you're here saying, well, I'm not broken, but just look at the person next to you. It, they're obviously broken. <laughs> and just, you can say, yeah, yeah, you're damaged. I, I can see it right away. You see, we all live on the spectrum of, of brokenness. Some of us, we wear our brokenness on our skin. And everyone can see that we're damaged and broken. Every time we move, all the broken pieces make a rattling noise. And everyone goes, yep, there he's coming. <laughs> Others of us are a little more elegant and nuanced in our brokenness. We, we've learned how to store our brokenness in a very safe container where no one can see it first, because we know we're not supposed to take our brokenness publicly. It's sort of like our underwear. You have to wear it, but no one's supposed to see it. And yet those wounds are oftentimes even deeper than the ones that are most easily seen and recognized. And then there's the language of Jesus that we stepped into last week when he healed 10 lepers and only one of them returned. And 
After the leper was already cleansed, Jesus says to him, go, your faith has made you well, which seems sort of awkwardly out of place since he was already well. Nothing like a miracle you don't need. And yet what we find is that the healing that that Jesus knows we need goes far deeper than the condition of our skin. Leprosy is the perfect metaphor for the human dilemma, that most of us are keenly aware of the healing we need on the surface and are oftentimes unwilling to face the healing that our soul desperately needs and longs for. Jesus was asked a question, what what is the most important thing to God? I love that that question. Wouldn't that be a great question to get to ask God? What's the most important thing to God? And it was asked in in a more uh, contextualized question, what's the greatest of all the commandments? We know that there were at least 10 top commandments, but they had over 600 of them. And, And really trying to work that out, what is really important to God, was a critical question in Mark chapter 12, beginning in verse 28. It says, one of the teachers of the law came and heard them debating, noticing that Jesus had given them a good answer. I like that. Jesus was doing well. I'm sure he was really encouraged by that. He asked him, of all the commandments, which is the most important? See, when he asked this question, of all the commandments, which is the most important? He's asking Jesus, what is most important to God? The most important one, Jesus answered, is this. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all of your heart and all of your soul and all of your mind and all of your strength. The second is this, love your neighbor as yourself. There is no commandment greater than these. Well said, teacher, the man replied. You did good, Jesus. You are right in saying that God is one and there is no other but him. To love him with all of your heart and all of your understanding and with all of your strength and to love your neighbor as yourself is more important than all the burnt offerings and sacrifices. In other words, everything religion can offer pales in significance to figuring out this one truth. What does it mean to love? When Jesus saw that he had answered wisely, he said to him, you are not far from the kingdom of God. And from then on, no one dared ask him any more questions. Now, central to the understanding of God is that God was one, that God is one, that God is indivisible. Now, this word wholeness is essentially the same word that is translated integrity. It's that a person or a being is integrated, an integer that cannot be divided by anything except itself. And so this idea of God, that God is whole, that God is complete, that God is one, is central to their understanding, is central to the Israelites' understanding of God and to Jesus' understanding of God. And now he's telling us if we can actually move into the space where we love God with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength, that we are no longer divided selves, have you ever felt as if you were a divided self? Like you had all these different people living inside of you and you're, you're not sure which one you were? Have you ever had moments of quietness but the voices don't stop? Have you ever found yourself in a circumstance where your brain wants to do one thing and your body wants to do another thing? 
or your emotions are telling you one thing, but your logic is telling you something else, and it's as if they're at war with each other, and you're a divided self. You I just wish I could get my mind around this. I, I hope you have that problem, because I, 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 I do. Oh, okay, well, have you ever gone by Krispy Kreme, and the hot sign was on, and you're trying to lose weight, you're on paleo? And all of a sudden, you're asking yourself the, 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 the central question, did the cavemen eat Donuts, and you think, of course they did, of course they did, and (laughs) have you ever had that moment where your brain says, do not buy the donut, but your body is saying, donut, (laughs) do, donut. Have you ever found yourself in that situation where your brain told you don't have one more drink, but your emotions told you you can't take the pressure of life, one more drink will help you just deal with the edge? Have you ever found yourself in an opportunity with another human being and you were so desperate for love, but you were willing to settle for sucks and your heart told you this is not what you're looking for, but your body said, why not? Have you ever been a divided self where it felt as if inside of you, the pieces couldn't even find a central place to meet and come to agreement? See what? The scriptures tell us is that we were created to be whole, to be a reflection of God's nature, to be integrated, to be complete, to have our our, our minds and our bodies, to have our entire selves to be a pure expression of spirit. But we end up being broken and fragmented and we treat ourselves as if we're so segmented and divided And so we end up living our lives with a divided heart and a divided mind and a divided self. But how do we define wholeness? How can we move toward it? And I've thought about this for years, and and maybe you're here going, well, I'm not sure if I'm broken or or whole, or or maybe I'm broken, but I'm more whole than him. And, uh, and And I think I have it all together. Have you ever gotten it all together and then it fell apart? And then you had it all together, and you realized that you had lost a few pieces, and that the pain and damage of your life has left you so fragmented. So I want to take a few minutes and just talk about this journey, because it's really a journey. It's really a process. It's a spectrum of moving from brokenness to wholeness. And what I find is that, that there's a, a, a perspective that illuminates where we are in the spectrum. I remember years ago watching a meaningless Steven Seagal movie. I'm not really sure why, and, uh, and I, I've gotten better. But, um, but my, my sister is a martial arts expert, and she named her daughter after one of Steven Seagal's characters. And, uh, and so I, I'm using that as an excuse for why I watched the movie. And he was, I think, at war with Los Angeles, <laughs> as we all are. And... Uh, and he had everybody against him, and he was damaged. I think he had just gotten out of the hospital, was injured. I think he lost a heart or something, and, uh, <laughs> and was recovering because he's Steven Seagal. And, and they said, they're coming, they're coming, and they're outnumbered us. And he said something about, all I need is a superior attitude, and, or a, a, a positive attitude and a superior frame of mind. I think you need an Uzi. I, I'm not sure. But he had, he, he, whoever wrote that moment had something to say because he was really saying that perspective has so much to do with how we 
engage and deal with the challenges in life. But we act as if perspective is what makes the difference, as if perspective comes in a vacuum. But have you ever noticed that two people can have completely different perspectives about the same circumstance or situation? And that perspective is actually a compass that allows you to know where you are in the spectrum of brokenness and wholeness. See, if you have a tendency to be a pessimist, that spells pessimist. <laughs> What's your problem? And, uh, <laughs> that is probably an indication that you have some soul damage. Because you, you think that what you're actually seeing is the information and the data that's out there, but it's actually not an objective assessment of reality. Pessimism is a reflection of your soul's condition. Same person, same circumstance, ends up being an optimist or dealing with optimism. And, and it's not that their world's any better. It's not that their circumstances are any easier. It's not that their challenges are smaller. It is that the, the result of wholeness is that their perspective on life comes from this optimistic vantage point. So if you want to use maybe more spiritual language, despair is a close friend to brokenness. While hope emerges from a heart that's whole. You see this all the time. And in fact, what you find in... This journey is, well, I'll just go there. Is that broken people tend to be takers. I know I shouldn't say that, but it's just true. And whole people tend to be givers. All right, now let's just admit that all of us are takers and givers, right? And I don't mind. It's just this is reality. You know, in, in my relationships, it's really, it, we have this uh, very healthy give and take. I, I need Kim, she needs me. I need Mariah, she needs me. There's a give and take relationship. But have you ever been in a relationship where the other person sees their role in the relationship is to be the taker, the receiver, and your role in the relationship is just to be the giver? If you haven't, you might want to ask your friends if they've been in a role with someone who's only a taker. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> So what I'm going to say is wholeness is living at 51%. And brokenness is living at 49%. I'm not going to be an overachiever. All right, because probably nobody here is a zero on the, uh, on the giving scale. And because that would put you into like the evil category. All right. And, uh, and Jesus says that the thief comes to steal and to rob and to kill. And so darkness is an abyss, a black hole of brokenness that does nothing but consumes. It consumes hope, it consumes love, it consumes meaning, it consumes life. And probably nobody here is like on the 100 scale because that would make you God, okay? And I'm just gonna assume you're not God. And I hope you join me in that assumption. And, uh, but we certainly can travel here and maybe find our 80-20 rule. We go, okay, I'm always going to be a taker to some degree, but I'm going to be a giver. Oh, or at least 49. What would happen if everyone in the room said, okay, I'm a taker, 
I'm just going to own it. But I'm never going to take more than 49%. In every relationship, I'm going to give 51%. It's a 2% differential. I am making the world better by my 2%. Some of you may go, that's not enough. And your wife would say, that'd be a huge improvement. (laughs) We'd be making huge progress if we could just get over here. See, after being alive for five decades, I've discovered there are some individuals that are broken and they're searching for healing and there's a real intention and desire to find wholeness, but there are other people who've just learned that their survival mechanism is being emotional leeches. Now, I know that's not a kind metaphor, it's just accurate. And have you ever been in a relationship with an emotional leech? They just suck on their tentacles, they they just go right into your heart, you're just sucking like everything out of you, all your emotion, all of your empathy, oh, they love empathetic people. I mean, empathy for an emotional leech is like blood to a vampire, very similar species, and they just suck you dry of all your empathy and love and compassion and concern, and here's how you know you're in an unhealthy relationship where they take and take and take, and then right when you have nothing left to give, you are like a raisinette that someone sucked the chocolate off of and left you, and no one wants you now. And you just shriveled up, and they've sucked the life out of you. And right before they detach, they look at you and say, you let me down. You weren't there for me when I needed you. You're like. And then they pop you loose, let you go shriveling down the road. Thank you. And, uh, and then you see them moving toward another very caring, empathetic human being. And they start talking about you. He, he isn't who he said he was. He wasn't there for me. But you, you're kind. You're loving. You're empathetic. And when your guard is down, and you could see them, you, 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 and you want to go, no! don't do it, but you're thinking better them than me. And so you move on. And and I know that's not you. I know that's not you, but we have a tendency as humans in our brokenness to justify our need to take. Never realizing that it is a commitment to give that moves us toward wholeness in our life. There's a an interesting relationship to being alive in spirit and moving toward wholeness. I always think it's curious that that when we see people talk about spiritual things, it almost moves into a non-human category. And and so if God's spirit is going to do something, there has to be some kind of miracle out there, some kind of sign and wonder. I mean, it's really nice to see oceans part or fire come down from heaven. I just don't usually see that every day in my life. I don't know about you, but like raising the dead just doesn't happen every Tuesday for me or anything like that. I, but, but, but you know where I experience the reality of God's spirit in my life is when God moves me from my brokenness and begins to form wholeness in me. You see this in Galatians chapter five, beginning in verse 19, he says, the acts of the flesh of a broken human being are obvious. Sexual immorality, why? Because you take, you consume impurity, because you consume debauchery, because you consume idolatry, because you consume witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions, and envy, drunkenness, orgies, and the like. Can you see that all of those is this human compulsion to consume and take? 
And those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit, now here it is. Here's what happens when we become spiritual human beings, when we allow the Spirit to work through our lives. is that the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking, and envying one another. I love this. He's saying, look, as we allow God to have mastery over our life, as we allow him to bring us to life and bring healing to us, that the way it manifests itself is that we become whole human beings. Now, one of the things that keeps us on this side, keeping us in our brokenness, because I I don't meet people who say, you know, I kind of like being broken. Brokenness is my preference. I don't want to be whole. It just sounds like there's just way too much pressure to be whole. See, usually we get trapped in brokenness because we refuse to give up, not our brokenness, but we refuse to give up our bitterness. And then the difficult thing with bitterness is that, see, when, when we're broken, bitterness makes us feel stronger. Because bitterness feels stronger than abandonment. It feels stronger than rejection. It feels stronger than sorrow. And so when someone wounds you, we choose bitterness as the way to heal the wound without realizing that we have allowed the wound to be covered, but never to be cleaned. And it festers in our soul. And one of the most challenging things is to help a person realize the only way to move from brokenness to wholeness is to let go of bitterness and to choose forgiveness. And I have so many people ask me, do I really have to forgive them? I go, no. As long as you want them to have control over your life, do not forgive them. See, as long as you want to keep them with power over your soul, do not forgive them. But here's the crazy thing. That person that wounded you, that person that hurt you the most, that person that brought the darkest moment of your life, that person that you refuse to forgive until you forgive them, you are not free of them. See, what forgiveness does is it not only frees them to be a better self, which, by the way, is a gift you can give them that they may never receive, but what forgiveness does is it frees you from the power of their violence against you. And the only way you can ever move to wholeness is to move from bitterness to forgiveness. But if you hold on to bitterness, you will hold on to despair and never move toward hope. And you'll begin to convince yourself that the way you see the world is the way the world really is rather than simply the way your soul really is. And by the way, one of the curious dilemmas of moving toward wholeness is that I don't know anyone who doesn't want to be happy in fact, we just went to the Pacific Design Center to see their installation on happiness. And, and, and it was so interesting because when we left, Mariah said, I was so depressed. <laughs> and I said, I know. The happiness the world can know is depressing. Because when we try to find happiness in our brokenness, it becomes something strangely dysfunctional. What I find over and over again is that broken people 
tend to move towards sorrow and disappointment. When wholeness actually begins to bring to you joy, and I'm going to use a very superficial word, happiness. I still remember about 20 years ago sitting down with an artist who since that time has taken his life. We sat across from each other and he said, everybody wants me to sell out my talent. Everybody wants me to sell out my art. They don't want me to to paint things that are real, that are true to the human experience. And I I said, like what? And he goes, well, they don't want me to paint and, and use my talent to talk about despair and anger and violence, pain. So, well, what kind of false emotions are they trying to get you to create around? He goes, things like joy, <laughs> happiness, love. And I, I said, can I ask you a question? He said, well, of course. I said, is it possible for love to be an authentic human experience? He looked at me a little confused, and then I, I went further. I said, is it possible for joy to be an authentic human experience? I thought, I'm just going to go ahead and press a little further. Is it possible for happiness to be an authentic human experience? And he paused, and he was very reflective, and he thought for quite a while, and he said, that thought has never occurred to me. You see, when you allow brokenness to define you, your wounds to define you, your divided self to define you, when you allow bitterness and despair and sorrow and greed and jealousy and envy to seep into the core of your soul. You should not be surprised when you are disappointed with life. I wonder if you're one of those people where everyone disappoints you. Everyone lets you down. Things never turn out the way you thought, the way you hoped. And you can't figure out why it turns out differently for other people. (laughs) What you don't realize is that it turned out the same for them. Except that they were just so amazed how many people came through, how good life is, how beautiful the world is. And and you see, they're not searching for happiness from outside sources. They are actually a source of happiness to the outside world. I couldn't help but remember, especially this Mother's Day, where we're giving away flowers. And I guess we're giving away succulents, is what I understand. And I, you know, I'm not like a flower person in terms of like uh, expertise. My wife knows a lot more about everything. And the flowers are one of those everything categories. And evidently, succulents are the, the flowers that grow in the desert. Succulents are the ones that, I guess, suck the life out of death. They're in the desert where there seems to be no opportunity to live, but they're able to find water in the desert. See, that's the power of wholeness. It's a succulent. While brokenness just sucks the life out of everything. Wholeness finds the life in dead places. And so I remembered back years ago, we were climbing, I don't know if it was Mount Wilson or something, and it was Kim and a friend named Barb and my kids, and they were way ahead of me, and somehow I was way behind them, and I'm not sure why, but I, I saw this, these rocks, and when I saw these rocks, I saw this one flower breaking out of a rock as if demanding its right to exist, to live. And when I saw it, I said, hey, everyone, everyone, come back, come back. You have to see this. And then they all started laughing hysterically. 
I said, why are you laughing? They said, we made a bet that you'd make us come back and look at that flower. (laughs) See, I remember what it was like to be broken. I remember what it was like to be sitting in a psychiatric chair when I was 12 years old. I remember what it was like to be in and out of a hospital. I have a scar across my stomach that reminds me for the rest of my life of how broken I was. They opened me up and did exploratory surgery, which means they didn't know what they were looking for because I was so sick. But there was nothing wrong with my body. It was my soul that was sick. Because my soul was sick. I was overwhelmed with despair, with sorrow, with emptiness. I I couldn't go to sleep at night because I felt as if the world was just overwhelming and I couldn't wake up in the morning because I didn't want to face the world I hated. I had nightmares every night for five, six years. And my, my, my poor mom and stepdad had no idea what to do with me. And I, I'm so grateful that somewhere in the middle of this brokenness, while I was just eating rocks, every day thinking about all the pain in my life, every day thinking about all the places I had been disappointed, every day thinking about my wounds, my sorrow, my emptiness, and I had good reasons to be empty and broken and lost. And somewhere along the way, I'm not even sure where it began, the thought entered my brain that there is beauty all around me. And if I don't find it, all I'm going to know is tragedy. I want you to know this morning that you are essentially a mosaic, a work of art formed of broken and fragmented pieces brought together by the hand of an artist. And a mosaic is most beautiful when light strikes through it. I want you to know this morning, no matter how broken you are, no matter how fragmented you have become, no matter how many pieces you've lost along the way, that you can find the wholeness and healing that your soul longs for. But it all begins with love. Jesus says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Be an undivided self. Give all of yourself to me, he says. Because when you give all of yourself to me, I will take all the pieces of who you are and I will make you whole again. Thank you so much for joining us on the Mosaic Podcast. I want to encourage you to take the message you just received and allow it to go deeply into your soul. Let Jesus do the deep work that only he can do. A special thank you to everyone who gives to Mosaic. Your sacrifice makes this podcast possible and creates life change all over the world. You can be a part of spreading this message around the world by going to mosaic.org slash give. You can also subscribe, rate, and share this podcast with your friends and family. Thanks again for listening. God bless you.